0: Okay, welcome everybody to episode 13 of Draft Politics, as usual. I'm EJ, and I'm here with my good buddy. This is Steve. And we're talking local, uh, so Chicago, uh, the suburbs, and Illinois right now. Uh, Thanks for joining us here. It's a beautiful day in Chicago. We're at Metropolitan Brewing here in the 33rd Ward on Rockwell Ave, just south of Belmont. Right Uh, on the beautiful river here. uh, it is a beautiful place. This is the second time we've been here. Uh, the first time we came here, it was cold. It was rainy uh, because it was like May. And we said we were going to come back when the weather was nice because we assumed we'd be able to podcast outside. And it's still standing room only on the outside. Yeah, there's, area. they're
1: building, they're clearly building out their deck area. It looks like they'll have tables here. I think probably next summer, this is going to be one of the more amazing spaces in Chicago for having a nice beer on the river. But, uh, Alas, not quite there yet. So. Not quite there yet. But the view but, is good. So. And the beer
0: is still still excellent. Yes. So if you like German-style beers, I've got a Dortmunder right now. Not usually my jam, if you will, but it is excellent, and I am enjoying the heck out of it. Uh, very crisp, very clean, um, a nice low ABV.
1: And going good. the other direction, I've got the Metropolitan Cold Hope, which is a beer to guard, coming in at 7.2%. So, you know, not... Not super strong, but but definitely enough to sort of push you over the edge faster than you're expecting i 'll so. call it a middle reliever, yes, there you go <laughs> good 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 idea so
0: stop by, uh, please come on by to metropolitan great people, great beer, uh, you can order food from local places, they deliver it right to your table. love it, love it let's get into what's going on in the city uh, in the suburbs, exurbs, and the whole
1: state yeah and it's interesting like our first thing is something that Happened long ago, it seems, but has now been revived. It has. And I
0: loved this story that's come out recently. So there are some sort of aldermanic governmental historians, people really interested in Chicago history. They found the old 35th Ward office. It was in an apartment building uh, or in an office in Avondale. It had been preserved Sort of perfectly from twenty-five or thirty years ago, unbelievable. Yeah, all the documents
1: were still there. And if you're not familiar, like each of the different ward offices, they're they're set up independently. They're not like city buildings or anything like that. Right. So they can move around, and you know, and so that's what happened in this case. Is you know, it was there and now it wasn't, and just a bunch of stuff got left behind, and people just shut it down. And that's
0: it's it's more often than not. The new ward office, when a an alderman leaves, for whatever reason, they retire, they lose, especially if they lose, they don't give their ward office to the in- incoming person. They're, you know... Yeah, say, it definitely varies, yeah, for right. sure. So, I think this is one of those cases, and they started digging through these files, and there was some, you know, people chuckling about it, but really... Good documentation of the patronage and sort of old school machine politics that went on in the 35th ward back in the day. Um, so very funny, very interesting to me. Um, I don't think anything big and revelatory yeah, is going to come out. I think we're going
1: to get new indictments out of it. No, Besides, no, no. we've got plenty coming from Burke, so it's all. I good. know,
0: I know. We've got plenty of indictments. <laughs> that quota is filled. Uh, but I, I think all of that material is going to be going to Springfield for sort of a museum kind of feel, which is great. Uh, yes. So love that. And there's a block. Hub club article about it Uh, i encourage you to go out check that out Uh, they do some great stuff like a
1: a special exhibit for it i'd love to just go see that as like a kind of self-contained thing and yeah i would too but
0: you probably have to know somebody to get in and pay the right people to be able to see (laughs) the exhibit (laughs) (laughs) right right.
1: if you hire the right tour company they can get you in on a special deal exactly exactly (laughs) i would
0: hope so i would want the sort of (laughs) multimedia effect there
1: (laughs) (laughs) so Um, yeah but you know speaking of corruption and bribery uh You know, this kind of goes, reverses on the Chicago system. This is actually the Brazilian system, apparently. Uh, And you recall many years ago, Chicago was looking to uh, get the Olympics to come here. And apparently there were some bribes that went against Chicago to get that Olympic bid over to Rio instead of here. I'm shocked. Shocked. I know, right? Not that shocked. Not that shocked.
0: So, I mean, I think when people talk about Chicago-level, you know, Bribes or any kind of criminality there. I mean we have to look to the IOC and FIFA to be you know, they are the gold yes, standard. International sports federations
1: are truly the gold <laughs> standard of corruption.
0: So and the deal was the strategy from Chicago was to get through the first round because then we thought we could get a lot of other cities on our side and the bribes were kind of paid out early, uh, to a Russian and a Ukrainian and a it's always the Russians. It's always the dodgy <laughs> Russians. And so we were out very early in that. And the best thing about it for us is, first of all, we didn't get the Olympics, which I've got to tell you, I believe the Olympics are a bad deal for everybody. I'm not anti-Olympic Games. I'm anti-IOC, yes. not AOC, Right, IOC. Yes, different vowel. Yes. Different vowel. So thank you. Rio politicians who bribed Save the great right people. Ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And we get to go back and say, like, we would have won if it were fair. Which is a very American thing to do. So all around, I think a good result.
1: You know, it would have been interesting to see how that all played out if, you know, if we'd gotten the Olympics, would would Daly have stuck around a little longer. You know, I mean a lot of the big reasons he left was because kind of the money ran out and, you know, had the Olympics been here, it would have been a whole new layer of corruption. He could run from t- the From his office. It's like tapping into a new
0: aquifer of cash that he could spread uh, with his whim. So maybe he would have, again, I think all good. Uh, And it it is worth noting that this particular politician in Rio, he was the mayor at the time, uh, is now in jail serving something like 77 years for corruption and other kind of things. Like you do. It's both on brand and maybe he's not the most reliable source. Yes. I'll take it, though. Uh, in sort of more serious news, we see, you know, some things coming up, some real challenges uh, for Lori Lightfoot in her first year in her administration. Uh, and something that's very important to me uh, is the teacher's contract. So the Chicago Teachers Union, uh, the contract with, between the teachers union and the school district, uh, it ended June 30th. So we are officially in a
1: non-contract period. Now, obviously, we still have the summer to get everything ironed out. And yeah, and these
0: talk, talks have been going on most of the year, uh, and there was some some posturing uh, earlier on in the spring uh, where Sharky, who is the, the head of the CTU, had said, look, we're not going back to work without a, a contract, and the Lightfoot administration is being very slow coming to the table and not offering anything. Um, but at this point... The Lightfoot administration has offered uh, an increase in pay over the next few years with some stipulations, and the CTU has come back and said that's not enough. So uh, in my mind, that's all positive yeah. things. They're, uh, they're in negotiations now. Uh, they've both expressed an interest in having more librarians and social workers, which are things that are good yeah. for the district.
1: And the nature of the beast here is that it's going to be all those negotiations happening you know, up to the last minute you know, towards the, you know, cause each side is going to feel like they get leverage from pushing things out towards, you know, the beginning of the school year, you know, it could be a situation where we push a couple days into the school year or whatever, because they're trying to get some last minute things cycled out. Sure. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I mean, obviously both sides want to come to an agreement, but you know, there's the city budget that has to be considered and you know, there's real concerns there. And the teachers have reasonable demands in terms of, you know, more salary, et cetera, et cetera.
0: And more resources for the schools. All of those things. And I I guess the elephant in the room is that the teachers' union overwhelmingly and enthusiastically endorsed Tony Preckwinkle.
1: Yeah. So. And as you may know, Lightfoot is not Preckwinkle. So, you know, and, you know, this was a daily administration there would be there'd be hell to pay if that you didn't do your endorsement correctly and you know obviously that plays out differently not just because i don't think lightfoot is the vindictive person the daily is but also just like the way that the political clout works now versus then yeah. and you know i think the ctu ha- is one of the clear power players in chicago politics at this point and so they have leverage uh you know we'll we'll kind of see what happens i i feel like ultimately it's something where i could churn up a bunch of drama about this my guess is that come the beginning of the school year we're probably going to have something figured out
0: i think so too because nobody wants to strike right least of all lori lightfoot so i think the ctu has a lot of leverage and i think they know that uh but i also believe that Lori is operating in good faith. And uh, you know, one thing to keep in mind just as sort of a tie off to this is that the negotiators from the city side are the same folks that were in place before Lori. Yeah. So it's the same crew of people. She didn't decide to like take everybody away and put in new folks. She wanted that dialogue. And I think that there was some consideration about whether or not there was a, at least a rapport between the teams. And it seemed like there was so. Again, I think it's going to get done as well. I think it'll go. I think there will be no strike, but the contract will not be signed wire, until three works. days after yep. the school, dis- school starts. Yep. So we'll all get to worry about that in September.
1: Thanks. And then, and then we'll get to worry about our property taxes because, you know, that will be the, the next thing that comes from that. So, yeah.
0: I need a brown paper bag to breathe into right now. <laughs> Thanks.
1: Yeah. So then uh, you know, Pritzker and, and Lightfoot are trying to work out how to deal with the pension debt in Chicago. Yeah, of course.
0: Lightfoot doesn't want to pay for everything. Pritzker says it'll ruin the state's credit rating if they took on some of that debt. Not
1: that you know, I mean it's ruining Chicago's great. credit rating hurts the state too, so it's like I mean this is this is the problem and it, it, it's a very tough challenge to deal with. I mean, this and this is one of the reasons why I have a lingering anger with Madigan is because I feel like he's the one politician who's been sort of like instrumental along the way is saying, OK, well, we're going to just keep kicking that can down the road yep. and down the road and down the road. And now it's like, OK, Piper is due. And, you know, right now, fortunately, the economy is doing well. But, you know, what happens the next time we have a recession and tax revenues fall off on top of the hole that we're already in? Yep. And so, um, you know, we're going to have to deal with this. And There's probably going to have to be some kind of renegotiation of pensions to a degree. Um, but once again, we're constitutionally on the hook to pay for them. So there's only so much that can be done there.
0: It is true. And we just got the 2018 financial report for Chicago. Uh some big numbers in there, right? So almost a billion dollars in long term liabilities, 30 billion dollars in pension debt, um, which is insane. Uh, and we, we saw sort of the biggest expenditures. And you can go out and read this. And again, uh, you know, I, those,
1: but th- that almost 1 billion in long term liabilities doesn't sound that bad when you've got 30 billion in pension debt, <laughs> too. It's true.
0: <laughs> it's true.
1: It's a drop in the bucket.
0: Although it went up substantially from. From the beginning of Rahm's yeah. administration, and you know those things are kind of like a mortgage, right? So those are getting paid. You know, you've got to pay those over the long term. Yeah. You know, that's not talking about operating expenses that were kind of led by public sp- safety at two point two billion. Yeah. So that, you know, the CPD alone uh, was a one point five seven, you know, one point six billion dollar expenditure. You know, these are, you know, these are big numbers when you're talking about the city of Chicago. Uh, it's an interesting read. Um, it kind of gives you the context about how the 2020 budget is being put together. And I think I said this on a previous podcast and I know some people in the budget office and they're trying to keep it pretty consistent. So Lori hasn't again, come in there and sort of burned down the house and said, I don't want any of the experts, any people with context. Um, But that really does kind of give you some idea of, you know, how tough the things are going to look for, for 2020. And I, I doubt there are very many sacred cows in that yeah. In that budget.
1: Well, and it's it's hard because what would make sense long-term is investments in infrastructure and building up the state and things that would actually have long-term revenue benefits. Yeah. But the we're so far in the hole at this point, the money you have to borrow in order to then do that work ends up being very expensive, especially because yeah. our credit rating is terrible. Like... This is the area where, like, a nation has an advantage because they have their currency and have some flexibility in terms of how they finance everything that we lack as a state. It's true. Um, you know, maybe down the road that there can be some, you know, a better relationship with the federal government, with a different administration where we can get stimulus money and all those sort of things that can help sort of offset some of the holes that we're in. But right. You know, it's going to be a hard sell for anybody to come in and say, hey, Illinois, you've screwed up your finances. Here's a check. Like, that's not going to happen.
0: Yeah, and I mean, even at this point, we're taking up bonds to service our existing debt, which is never a position you yeah. want to be in. Borrowing
1: to, to, borrowing to borrow is not a good idea. Right.
0: <laughs> borrowing to pay for the borrowing that somebody else borrowed before. Yes. Not, not good times. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the projections are. You know, with all the new revenue, all the taxes that came in last year or last week, last year, last week. So gas tax uh, sort of being the biggest one. And I will say Lori said that she was not in favor of increasing the the municipal gas tax. So she had the option of going up another three cents, essentially, on top of the gas tax for the state. Um, She's declining that option. Thanks. Um, I know... As somebody who drove from Illinois to Michigan this last week, I definitely filled my gas tank up outside of the state uh, before I got in. Yeah. And then instantly felt guilty about it. Like, well, well damn it, I'm paying da- gas tax down there. Shouldn't I rather go to our
1: Well, our I mean, you know, and that's, and that's long history. I mean, you know, every time we go out to the suburbs, it's always like, oh, make sure to fill up the gas before you go back into the city. Like, and that's, you know, that's human nature. And, you know, we can't really fight that. You know, and it's you know, yeah. you can't just sit here and hope that everybody says I'm going to go fill up in Chicago. Like that's that's not going to work. No, and so you know, I think
0: keep an eye on this. I I would like uh, I would like to think that maybe we can pull a whole episode together around the budget to help people sleep when right. it comes out. I'm like uh, that'll be exciting. That'll be <laughs> that'll be our episode from a wine bar, and we'll recommend a nice right. cabernet. Uh, we're gonna <laughs> recommend. We'll have a five-minute tr- pause. we we'll have a drinking
1: game yeah. built up around this. But I, I, I also Every think... Every time I say fiscal <laughs> sip. But it's something that we
0: should be aware of. And, you know, I really believe that Lori and the... The culture that she wants to bring to city hall is one that should give us a little more transparency on it, so if we care to look at things and care to feedback and care to learn that gives us a bigger opportunity to influence things in the future so yeah. that's me being optimistic for sure
1: you know and then and I 'll be the pessimist and like the downside risks for her that you know she 's the latest person holding the hot potato and ultimately come her reelection she 'll be on the hook for any tax raises she has to make and et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, and at some point we have to dig our way out of this hole and somebody's got to pay for it. And, and fundamentally we're going to have to, you know, do the mature thing and and do the work to actually get that stuff done. And there's no getting around it.
0: No. No, there
1: isn't. <sighs> so I want to talk just a
0: minute, you know, moving away from sort of very city things um, to Dorothy Brown. So uh, 2020 is going to have both, you know, federal elections, but also some state and county elections. So Dorothy Brown uh, has been the uh, clerk for a long time. She's going to be running again. She's got this federal investigator or investigation sort of hanging over her head. And I think it's interesting because, again, we've got sort of a longtime politician, somebody that has been there that... Honestly, could probably win without showing up uh, if there, is no, there are no headwinds against her. Uh, but lots of people are lining up uh, to run against her. So um, it's it, it, interesting to me in the dynamics there. So we've got a, somebody like an Iris Martinez, uh, who's a state senator, really wants this job. And I kind of wonder to myself, and I, when I see these things, I'm like, why do you want that job? I'm trying to figure out what the hierarchy of political jobs is. I mean, I'm kind of gathering that it's anything inside of Springfield is sort of level one. And then any way you could not have to drive down to Springfield ever is level two. Yeah,
1: I mean, Springfield jobs, A, they don't pay as much. That's true. and, And B, yeah, you have to keep going down to Springfield. And so, you know, which so additional costs to do that and... I mean, fundamentally, everything I've ever understood about the way that Springfield politics works is that, you know, there's basically three people who effectively run the government. It's, you know, you've got the the governor and you've got the heads of the House and the Senate. And they basically do do the most negotiation. So now, granted, you know, you come up to Chicago and now it's, you know, the rubber stamping alderman for the mayor or whatever, which, you know, we'll see how that plays out in the coming years. true. They're trying to change that. But, you know, at least you don't have to commute as much and the job pays better, you know.
0: Yeah, so. yeah, it's fair enough. So it'll be an interesting one. And I think this was this is one that will get wrapped up in all the kind of changing face of Chicago and Cook County politics. Um, and I'll be following it pretty closely um, and reasonably excited about it, especially because we'll see, you know, if somebody like Iris Martinez really dives headlong into that. Who's going to try to fill that spe- seat, which is uh, a seat that I think will be sought after north side, Chicago uh, state Senate seat. Um, And kind of tied into that is uh, Madigan uh, recently had a lawsuit brought against him, uh, filed by someone who was running against him, who claimed that Madigan and his team had kind of run other opponents uh, to kind of pull away from his vote. So um, uh, the gentleman who who was running has a has a hispanic sounding last name and then miraculously these other two folks showed up in the race also with hispanic sounding last names Um, and evidently madigan's folks had collected signatures for them and taken those signatures and submitted them so you know sort of spoiler candidate theory here Um, and there's a lawsuit going on about it right now we'll see what happens with madigan i assume nothing but yeah um, it would be good to see some more negative press
1: and some more pressure against him yeah (sighs) It, it continues to disappoint me that nobody's ever really given madigan a real challenge for his seat given how how much antipathy there is for him across the state now granted it's like how much of that antipathy applies to his specific district you know, that's that's where the rubber meets the road and nobody's really ever stood up. And I think a lot of it is people are afraid to stand up to him because if you are a up-and-coming Democratic Party, you know, want to have a career in politics, getting hammered down by Mike Madigan is not the way to start things. No,
0: no, no. I think running against him is kind of a, well, that was, it was good, good times, guys. I got to find a new right, job. Right. Move to another state. I don't. I really struggle with that, I think, in in the way things are set up. And, and sort of in the same line, you know we've seen in the suburbs, Marie Newman, who ran against Dan Lipinski before, is running again. Um, she raised a reasonable amount of money, $238,000 in Q2. Uh, and over five hundred thousand this year.
1: Yeah, and I feel like it was a like last time she ran, it was about like a, somewhere in the million to two million range that yeah. that she had total. Yeah, I think you're right there. Um, you know, and she's got the backing of um of some you know move on and uh, Angie's list, I think. So they're like she's got, she's got a little bit more establishment of her name at this point than she did last time. So she's in a better position. But one of the challenges she has is she's running. Uh, kind of against the DNC. And the way the DNC... The, the DNC ha, is kind of a double-edged sword. They operate as a defender of incumbent Democrats, which is great in some districts where, hey, it's somebody who won, uh, won their district, you're not necessarily paying attention to that race and they still need resources to keep in office, right? Right. But at the same time, you've got a situation here like Lipinski, who is a very conservative Democrat. We've talked about him before. He's... A, he's an anti-abortion Democrat, one of the few, and he's from Illinois, and he's in a liberal district, and yet he holds position there because Republicans go and cross over and vote as Democrats to keep him in office, essentially. And so, you know, this is the district where they, they had a Nazi run last time. I mean, it's like, it's it's crazy. <laughs> um, a so liberal Nazi, not just a Her struggle, to- though, is the DNC... Came out with a position saying that any any contractor that did work with a candidate running against a Democrat like Marie Newman, uh, that those people would be blacklisted by the DNC. So if the DNC had work, say, you know, phone banking or whatever for they were going to pay money for one of their candidates to do that, those people on that blacklist would not be eligible to be hired to do that work. And so she's actually had three different people leave her campaign because the DNC would have blacklisted them, and they wouldn't be able to continue doing that work. Yeah. So,
0: it, and I just one slight yeah. correction. Uh, I think you meant Emily's list, not Angie's list. For the. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: group. So yes, we're uh, two and three quarters. A little or one further into our beers than we usually yeah. are at this point. So Angie's uh, list. <laughs> She has a great history of repairing ducts. Uh, yeah. She's also <laughs> endorsed by Angie's List.
0: But, uh, you know, it's a really interesting thing. And, I, I you know, if you listen to our national podcast, you would have heard me talk a little bit about what happened to uh, Representative Amash from Michigan sort of essentially saying I disagree with the president and so the Republican Party said forget you you're never gonna run here again we're gonna primary you we're not gonna give you any support so using that as a cudgel to stop dissent um, here on the Democratic side it's like we're doing a similar thing in a different way and I, I I have a real problem with both approaches I think we should always be looking for the best candidate to run um, we shouldn't be punishing companies from working with uh, with challengers. If it makes our incumbents better, then so be it. Yeah, we're we're not going to lose that seat no matter what.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and part of the challenge here is who is the we here? So like, you know, both both of us are Democratic voters. You know, we have some interest in the Democratic Party. You, you have you know been involved and I have been involved in Democratic campaigns, but we aren't on the DNC. It's true. We can't vote for anybody who's on the DNC. Probably so there's like that. a whole other thing going on there. Um, also, I did Google. Uh, yes, I w- that is correct. It was not Angie's List that did the endorsement. It was, in fact, Emily's, Emily's. List. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're, you know, we're, we're, what did we call it before? A pseudo-journalistic enterprise? Yeah, that is. <laughs> That is so generous. Che- real-time fact-checking, everybody. That's yeah. how we do.
0: So generous. The British understatement. Yes. Pseudo-journalistic. We'll, we'll yeah. take it. So
1: that's, uh, that's it for basically the suburb news. Um, and then a little bit of Illinois news. Uh, Waukegan.
0: Uh, look, Waukegan got a casino license, and they're super pumped about it. And I know we've talked a little bit before about how do we increase revenue and what are the ways to do that and what ways work, what ways don't. And the casino license is one of those things where we were kind of questioning. Uh, Rockford, if you recall, put a full-page ad in the Trib saying, Lori Lightfoot, if you are elected, please support us to get a casino license. I, again, didn't understand the logic there, but people are really looking to uh, get those casinos spun up. Well, Keegan is in that list. You know, and they've just got the license. They haven't started building anything yet. Uh, but, I, again, I find it interesting how excited they are and what that says about maybe where we are as a state economy and where people are looking to get attention and and really drive revenue and, and whatnot yeah. to their area. So, I
1: mean, I feel like... <sighs> I mean personally I feel like casinos are it's it's extracting money from from the people in your city, from the citizens. It's not yeah. you're not building anything, you're not generating anything, it's all just sort of like it's a weird form of taxation more than yeah. anything else. It's not creation. Yeah, I mean right? I, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I gone to casinos, I enjoy going to casinos, but it's and you know but to see it as hey, this is some major secret to providing tax revenue to keep the city going. and It's like long-term, that is not a good way to no, go. I it has a lot of negative side effects. It's true. And Well, have you been to a casino in Indiana? I have been to a casino in Michigan and Illinois, but not Indiana. Interesting,
0: yeah. I've gone to Indiana for casinos. I'd okay. much rather that money go to Illinois than oh. Indiana. Certainly.
1: Because the Klein
0: Avenue, you know, bridge overpass yeah. is still not fixed. It's been two years. Come yeah. on, Indiana. Well, and, and, and to listening. be fair,
1: the only reason I went to the casino in Michigan was because that's where the steak restaurant was in town, and we had a steak there, and it was a very lovely steak. And maybe we, maybe we played some slots while we were there because, you know, what else are you going to do? Fire
0: keepers? Fire keepers? I was
1: just trying to guess the casino in Michigan. No, uh, it, was, uh, in, it was near New Buffalo. I forget the name of it. I think that is Firekeepers. Very, it's very possible. So, as somebody who drives
0: on ninety-four a lot, I'll tell you. So, I think that's it. I think you know uh, a pretty short, compact. I'll call it efficient session. City, uh, uh, city. The Four Winds
1: Casino, sir. Oh, it was the Four Winds. It's the other one. Real time fact checking, everybody. Real. <laughs> Real <laughs> it was, ni- it was neither Angie's list nor <laughs> Firekeepers. It's true. <laughs> Four, four wins. Uh, for yeah. So, anyway. yeah, that kind of wraps us up for our local stuff. Uh, not as much content right now. Obviously, you know, we've got this, the local, you know, city and state sessions aren't going right now. As we go through the summer, as we start to get wrap up or heat things up with the CTU, maybe that'll get interesting. So yeah. we'll see. We'll yeah, keep, and We'll keep may- you up
0: to date with whatever we find. Maybe we'll get a new brewery that opens. That would also be good. That'd be good. Uh, And next week we'll be coming at you with, I think we'll be right before the Mueller testimony. We'll be getting ramped up for all of that. So please join us next week on draft politics. And if you get a moment, please
1: rate us. We have had six reviews, one actual written review. Thank you to you who did that. So hopefully you'll add to that. That'd be great. And we'll catch you next week. Thanks everybody. Bye.
0: Bye Bye-bye.